0: Bombus, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow wherever you are. Tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Chillax. Chillax. I am so very relaxed. So so don't turn up on me. I'm the wrong one. My mom just got me those clothes. Like they're brand new. Don't bring your mom to this. Absolutely do not bring your mom to this. She hold on. Dude. Danielle, is, like going off. Never sure. get anything that I do twisted, ever, ever, ever again. That's what you need to understand. Well, I don't know you as well as. Well, now you need to come correct. Now you need to know me. Just stay away from it all night. I'm on the verge of like, f-ing everything up if we don't have fun. Okay, let's have fun then. Well, this place is like. F-ing okay, weird. well this is this is a fun zone. These are fun glasses. Do you think Alex likes me? <laughs> episode of everyone's business but mine with me Cara Berry. We're doing our Saturday runoff because y'all know last episode we have Chayon to talk about Potomac and married to medicine and I figured we had yet again another great week in Bravo that I just like couldn't help but just very quickly talk about what went on. So we're gonna start off with winter house as you know my fave Let's get into it, right? Just real quick. Schwartz left back to L.A. for the reunion. Katie is trying real hard not to catch feelings for him. And, like, I think she's worried that he's not going to come back. I think she's worried that she's going to be part of the reason why he doesn't come back. And that's a really hard place to be in. You know, it's, like, hard to be like, is this guy truly into me? Am I catching feelings for a guy who does not have feelings for me and is also, like, a little bit afraid of what could be? That's that's tough. That's a real hurts down But more on that later. I mean, he does say he's coming back, and I think he does, so I guess we'll just have to watch what happens. We do get a cameo from Giselle. Giselle Bryant on FaceTime. And listen... For somebody who accuses or who gets accused by mostly Karen of all the men in Giselle's life living in her phone, now we've got a little reverse switcheroo here because here Giselle is living on Jason's phone and attempting to twerk in some pink shorts and be sexy for him. Did it work? Well, she's also listed on the lower third as Jason's friend, which I found... Interesting. They're really attempting to flirt. Jason's, like, not a good flirt in the sense that <sighs> Jason doesn't seem like a real person. Like, let's be real. Jason seems like he walked off of the, like, some sort of Hallmark Christmas movie set where he's just, like, programmed. What was that show that I watched where they were, like, unbeknownst to them dating somebody who's so into their character, and the character that they happened to be playing was a guy who was like in like like a cheesy Christmas movie and he didn't realize that the guy was just like so into his role that they just kept having this weird relationship like a highly romantic relationship with this guy and it was real and that's really what it feels like with Jason like Jason's always in character but Jason and Riley end up leaving that day and I don't know why production chose to throw 75 bravo liberties and casey into this house but we really need a pair down and we need luke back you guys hear me we need him back kyle is the daddy the father of summer house luke is out there making igloo forts and building fires for people in the backyard of winter house that is the thread that we're missing like i have nothing to like hold on to here nothing to tether myself to I need Luke in the back by himself with his acoustic guitar singing about, you know, like Y1, Blue Jeans, Whiskey. Remember he used to sing those like crazy little songs by himself. Nobody wanted to hear it. I do. That's what we're missing. Bring back Luke. What did Luke do to Bravo? What happened? (laughs) What happened? Because if Andrea can come back as like our funny little Italian friend every summer house, then we can bring Luke back. Okay, we can bring them back. Anyway, and also we need to like really, like, we need eight at most people in a house. No, nobody coming through here and there, popping in. We're good. We just need a core group of people, half of which want to fuck, at least. 50 to 70% of you guys have to be open to fucking somebody else in the house. And I know you probably legally can't put that on paper, but like, energetically, that should be the vibe. Anyway, I know you guys don't like Malia, but I did have to give it to her because they're passing around one of those red light therapy masks, a face mask that you put on. And, you know, they look like hockey masks or like a Jason mask. And Kyle, not Kyle, Corey turns to Malia and asks her like, oh, would you fuck me with this mask on? She's like, either way, it's a hard no. But with the mask on, it is, like, closer. <laughs> Which, like, listen, we're only human. Then they make us watch a cameo of Captain Sandy and her partner going skiing with the rest of the house. And, like, this is what I'm saying. Like, this is not what Winter House is about. I don't care about Sandy being Malia's mentor. Because, one, I have watched enough of The Below Deck to know that it's literally fucking psychotic. And, two, like, again, this is, house is for drinking and banging people. Banging, preferably people that you never want to speak to again. And how you navigate that. That's the only, like, Danielle can't be responsible for all the um, fireworks. It would be nice to call them fireworks. She can't be responsible for all the fireworks happening in the house, okay? She cannot. Amanda and Kyle have a little side storyline because Amanda's norovirus has been going crazy since she got here. So she decides, let's just take a pregnancy test because if I go to the doctor, they're going to ask me anyway. Wouldn't they just, like, give you one? If they were that concerned about what? Okay, but she's not pregnant, y'all. I mean, we know she's not pregnant. She had her eight abs out at BravoCon, like we saw it. Clearly, she's not, they're not expecting. But, you know, shout out to them when they do and their eventual blonde babies, you know? Kyle really got her ass. I really forgot about this because at one point they're like all hanging out and Kyle and Katie are having a little moment and he's like giving her a side hug and saying, you're my favorite Kiwi. Amanda overhears this and says, what, 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 you know, fruit am I? What am I to you then, Kyle? If She's your favorite Kiwi. And he goes, you're, and he was like dead ass. You're a, a generic apple. But you're the apple of my eye. (laughs) And I don't think he was kidding. And shout out... (laughs) Shout out to you who sent me this, uh... You sent me in the direction of this podcast, Chicks in the Office, uh, where Amanda and Jordan were doing a joint interview talking about their experience on the show. And Jordan revealed that that night that she cried, the night before Amanda got there, and she was crying about, like, uh... Who was she crying about? Oh, Corey. Um, and Malia kissing, even though she was spitting in his mouth. That Kyle, Kyle, who was like, let me hold space for you in that moment, slept with her. Not, they, you know, she's got two beds in that bedroom that she's sleeping in. And he slept in the other bed. And so Jordan, they were talking about like, oh, did you guys know each other? You and Amanda know each other before the house. And they're like, no. And Jordan was like, I was actually, like, feeling a little bit nervous because you guys don't know, but, you know, he slept in the bed next to me that night. And I was like, oh, God, like, I hope you're not thinking I'm trying to take your man. And Manda was like, no, no, I was, like, concerned that he was the one bothering you. And it's like, yeah, you should be, girl. <laughs> oh, I just love Kyle. All right, you guys, now we got to talk about Danielle. Oh, Lord, 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 Lord. So basically, Alex and Danielle are sleeping together every night, like they're hunching and they're also sharing a bed. So they're doing it again. Alex is clearly trying to divest from the situation. So the next night we see them, he's trying to, one, go to bed early and two, in his own bed by himself. And he almost gets away with it. Danielle immediately goes in there and is like, "Why don't you at least come and sleep in like a clean bed? Like, don't do yourself a disservice. Like, come on." You get to hear him just be like, <sighs> <laughs> "So the next morning they wake up, and they're doing, you know, his and hers face masks with each other." He is on his phone, going through videos and pictures from the night before. So she happens to scroll over one to see a selfie of him and Jordan, right? And this is like, well, now I have anxiety. Okay, and this makes her spiral all day. She's heavy into the opera ski. She's oh, there's a lot of drinking going on. Okay, and I think this is like informing a lot of her behavior, and we need to be honest about that. It's not great, girl. It isn't great. She starts leaning into the fact that, like, the vibe is off. She's talking to Brian and Corey. And they're like, yeah, we're gonna get weird. We're gonna party. But, like, they're on different wavelengths. Because Danielle's trying to escape whatever's going on in her heart and mind. And these two boys just genuinely are, like, two himbos that want to get drunk. Like, it's... They're not... This is not the same conversation that is being had. So while they're chugging lover boys outside, Alex is talking to Jordan the girl he actually likes inside and they're talking their plans for when they leave the house. She's trying to go to France and she's like, okay, well, what are you going to do with Danielle? And he says, I think we've communicated pretty clearly that nothing needs to happen outside of this house. So hopefully we can just leave as friends who were glad we met each other and like go to our respective corners of the world. Dan, uh, Jordan, whatever your name is, Alex, <laughs> Sir. Wishful thinking on your part. You know you're past that, but good on you for trying to manifest a better future for yourself. It's not going to work. But you tried. So Danielle walks into the house. She sees them talking and is like, ugh, like just over it, right? Just spiral number two. And she says in a confessional, there seems to be some kind of gravitational pull happening between Jordan and Alex that she's confused about. And if their relationship is really that deep then they need to bring her into it and inform her of that. Because now she feels like an outsider to, I guess, what she sees as their relationship, and it feels like the joke is on her. Baby, why do they need to bring you into the fold, girl? I feel like everything that they're doing is happening in plain sight. You're spiraling. <laughs> this is spiral number three. And four, honestly, because why do you need to be brought into this? Like... Maybe we take a breath at that moment and really let that sentence sink in and be like, is that something that I would say about a man that I'm just fucking and planning on tossing away after this? No. No, this sounds like a man that I'm trying to stake claim onto because I really have feelings for him. And I'm feeling like I'm getting played, which is an emotion that I would not feel if I did not have feelings for this man. Now, truth be told, do I think that Jordan is enjoying the attention that Alex is giving her? Yeah, but I think she's been, like, pretty honest about that that whole time. Like, I don't see her moving any differently now than she has this entire time. Like, Danielle, you really need to be honest with yourself, because if you're not, you're going to play yourself on camera. Like, Like, you're about to, girl. Moving on though, I don't really want to talk about Corey, but I'm going to. So his parents come, and that's like part of the storyline. Those episodes, like a big part of the storyline, and they're clearly confused as to what his status is with Sam. So they go skiing, night skiing, and his dad asks him like, "How are you doing?" In terms of like all the ladies in the house, and Corey's like, "Oh, I'm being a good boy." So his dad asks him, are you being a good boy because of Sam, or are you being a good boy because you're actually, you know, growing up? And Corey says, well, I think it might be both. And... Sam is about to visit next weekend or next episode, so they're asking about it like, oh, like, there's not going to be any crossover where Cory's parents actually get to formally meet Sam. So his dad asks him, are you going to make it official on this trip? And he's like, no, 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 absolutely not, because I'm so focused on my business. And... I mean, like, this is honestly like a been a blind spot for me because one thing about me is I like a man with a job so if you're honestly like working hard and pursuing a passion or your career I'm I'm gonna let you cook out that one like you take all the time and energy that you need and you see me when you see it like if it's like a genuine effort that is that you're putting into your life and your future right like I'm rocking with you on that. So the idea that this man is putting up another barrier of like, I want to focus on my business feels very tactical to me because we got to break it down. Okay. I've been saying that this man has been like, uh, being very strategic about his, uh, unraveling of his relationship with Samantha. And I think that honestly, he's thinking I'm opening up all these CrossFit gyms in North Carolina or wherever the fuck, South Carolina wherever, either Carolina, maybe both, and I maybe need to lean into this I'm possibly single thing for a little while, because what I'm planning on is having a bunch of chicks as clientele, and how are those chicks going to be, be clientele if they don't think that there's a chance of fucking me, and I can't do a little flirties while I get get this uh, shit going? So, that's what I think's happening. I think he waited until he was like, "Okay, I feel pretty good about this." And I want another season of Summer House. And so I'm going to I'm going to do that. I'm going to wait. I don't know why Sam is with this man. Cuz like, let's be real, CrossFit gyms are horny, okay? I don't I can tell you one situation that I heard about a CrossFit dojo or whatever they call themselves. I never forget I never remember the name. Where, like, somebody didn't end up getting divorced and hooking up with somebody that they met in their CrossFit dojo, Casa House, or something of that nature. Or, like, a a serious hookup. Like, it's like the Olympic Villages, you know? They litter all those athletes with condoms because they know what happens. Just a lot of hormones. Anyway. um, Corey's mom is there, and she even has a conversation with Amanda about Sam... (laughs) Her mom's basically like, or Corey's mom's basically like, I don't, um, really want to meet another girlfriend, okay? I don't don't know, I'm not sure this one is going to last, so I'm not really trying to, like, invest my time in that. And Amanda says, no, I think this might actually be the one. (laughs) And Corey's mom's like, oh, God. (laughs) Rolling her eyes at everything. Mm, Okay. So, Danielle does the worst possible thing that women could do and I don't use that term lightly because I have done it myself and it's literally the, so annoying is repeatedly like asking the guy who you think is pulling away. Are you okay? Is something off? Is something wrong? Did I do something wrong? What's going on? You seem different. Are you uncomfortable? Cause you seem uncomfortable. Like, like, you know, and that never makes things better. Like just goes from worse to worser. He is uncomfortable and he's more uncomfortable by the second. Cause you keep asking him. Then Danielle decides to take Jordan aside and say, I want to talk. And like, you know, I, I know that you were like, you know, maybe feeling some type of way. Like I'm getting the sense that you're a little bit low energy and maybe that's because you don't have male attention like, you don't have somebody to have a crush on or flirt with? Do you think that that might be whitest? And Jordan goes, oh. Well, that's news to me. And in a confessional, she goes, bitch, are you for real? So Jordan tells her, yeah, of course I'd like a guy to look at me once or twice. Danielle, it's happening. And you're bumping him on the head every night, dragging him back to your bed. That same man is the one who's looking at her once, twice. Three times a lady. But then Jordan says, yeah, okay, maybe I'd like a guy to flirt with, you know, like in a reciprocal way, not just one-sided with Alex on me. Um, But I don't think that that would change my chemistry like it would with you, you know, to be so low energy and to not be having fun like you're cornering me about. This is a very weird thing to confront me about. So then Danielle says, I knew you and Alex had this great bond. So I was like, I'm just going to let them continue talking. But, you know, you know, like you guys could talk or like be friends. Like, I'm not understanding why she feels like she's allowing Alex to have a relationship with Jordan or vice versa. So Jordan says, I never even knew that you were uncomfortable with how Alex and I engaged. And so Danielle tells her, well, there were moments in the past where... Maybe I should have asked you if we were cool. So that was on me. Like, what do you mean, this morning? (laughs) Like, mind you, we're only in this house 10 days, babe. We don't, we should not be having these types of conversations. So Jordan goes, but do you see how maybe that would make me, like, not want to come to you? And Danielle's like, damn. I do see that. Shit. Yeah, you're right. So Jordan says in a confessional, I really think Danielle's not being honest about how she feels about Alex and, like, where they're at. And instead of addressing Alex, like she should be, she's using me as a scapegoat, but we're two Capricorns, two goats, and uh, I'm not going to be outgoated or whatever she said. <laughs> to be fair, Danielle does say she's sorry, but it doesn't help because now we're in spiral number five that is going to continue when we get back. Also, while Jordan and Danielle are having this conversation, Alex is having a conversation with Corey's mama, and she's trying to get the tea about, like, who are you hooking up with in the house and he's like, oh, well, I've been coupled with Danielle. <laughs> Less than, like, this has been something that is forced upon me. Help. And he tries to be nice about it. He says, Danielle's alpha. And she goes for what she wants. And, you know, sometimes it can be a bit too much. So Corey's mom's like, oh, so you're tiptoeing. And He goes, yeah, a little bit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so when they get back to the house... Alex asked Jordan how her day was. Like, they're all just kind of, like, lounging around, you know, getting settled, changing into their PJs. And she's like, well, you know, it doesn't feel great to be reduced to being some type of way because you're not getting the attention of a man. And so Alex is like, I'm sorry. That's, like, a pretty strong opinion from somebody. I don't know who said that. And Jordan says, well, Danielle. And he whispers, Danielle's the worst. And even Jordan was like, yikes okay damn <laughs> and he's like well you know like I can't you know Daniel's in the hallway by the way and they make it seem like she hears him say that they make it see I don't know if she did but they get it gives that way honestly it could just be her noticing and overhearing Alex and Jordan having any sort of conversation and being like uh, I just kind of tried to tell her That maybe they should stop talking. And here they are again. (laughs) Peanut butter and jelly spreading out on each other. Mm -mm Mm-mm-mm. So this is, like, spiral number six at this point. Where Danielle has, like, gone full Andrew WK. Like, when it's time to party, we will always party hard. Like, really trying to rage. Nobody's really around. Kyle's, like, kind of into it. Brian's by the doorway which is right by the kitchen so they are like walking around the house and she runs into Brian Brian's mom sent a bunch of clothes like warmer clothes for him to finish out the vacation so he's just going through them like oh my mom got me this sweater and she starts like kicking the box throwing his shit And he's like, chill out. Like, my mom got me that. Don't bring your mom into this. And even Kyle has to be like, okay, you know, we all make our jokes about Brian being, like, a mama's boy. But there's a line between those little funny jokes and you throwing his property. She's like, no, there's not. No, there's not. We're trying to party. What the fuck's wrong with you, Brian? Blah, blah, blah. And Brian's like, you really got to chill. He goes downstairs because you can tell that Brian is actually pissed off and like, I need a break from this Tasmanian devil going on upstairs. He runs into Casey. He's got his box of his clothes and he says in a confessional, I thought she was just kidding at first, but no, this is like actually Danielle exerting anger toward my package from my mom. Casey's like, damn, yeah, like, this is crazy. She's, like, she's using your box of clothes from your mama like one of those destruction rooms where she's just, like, tanking her anger out of the whole situation. So Brian and Casey go downstairs where Alex is making his bed, the bed that he's now sleeping in for sure tonight, Danielle. And they're like, yo, you gotta get your girl. Like, she's, the demons are out. She's really going ape upstairs. And he's like, I'm not going anywhere near that not my responsibility they're like fair enough (laughs) so brian does run into danielle and he tells her like girl no for real you and i could be on the same wavelength so if i'm telling you to chill out you maybe need to chill out like for real so danielle tells like don't bring in your mom to this like don't ever get anything twisted with me again and brian's like i don't even know you like that she's like well now you do don't get it twisted like weird weird you need to come correct with me next time and then she whispers do you think alex likes me (sighs) oh my god and and brian just has to be like yeah of course i do because he's not gonna say no his forever 21 little pullover has already been strewn about upstairs he's not trying to get that shit wrecked anymore so he has to lie to her and be like yeah i think he's into you Or I think he would be if you would not act like this and go Hulkamania on my packages because he's not looking at you. So then Alex, rather than going to find Danielle, he goes into Amanda and Kyle's room to be like, Amanda, what the hell's going on? What have you heard? So she kind of explains, you know, like, I, I don't know, it seems like she went crazy on Brian's clothes or something. And Amanda says in a confessional... I feel like Danielle has more feelings than she's admitting to, but she's not even listening to herself. You know, how is she going to listen to me? So, Danielle, if you're in there and you hear me, just be careful. Just be careful. So she tells Alex, I think maybe you need to sit this one out and don't even bother checking in on her. And he's like, great. That's what I wanted to know. I'm out. So the episode ends with Danielle going into her room, much like she did last season on Summer House after all these fights with uh, Hubhouse, being like talking to herself like you can do this, you can do anything, you're fine. She's like wiping the tears out of her eyes, looking in the mirror, like trying to fix herself and oh baby, diva down, diva down. Let's move on. I do feel that she was coming from a good place. If it happened to you, you would not like it. Yes. If something was about Lenny and we're talking shit, you would not like it. I meant it from a good place, so you should just accept it. Girl, you don't even know or could find a good place on a GPS if it freaking hit you in the ass. You're prepping her up right now. You're actually motivating her to continue this back and forth with me. Instead of saying, stand down, Larsa. Sometimes you just have to swallow no, it. No, and no, no. And that's it. You are. But you're, you're also going. You guys are both going. I have the right to. No, I no, have no. the right to, she my really very vulnerable okay. right now. Let's get into Miami. So we remember last week, Lisa said over FaceTime that the cops had come to the house because of some kerfuffle that she and Lenny had gotten into. So we start off this episode where Lisa's going to be late right? So Julia decides, well, she's got this surprise performance for Martina. We got to get the show going, right? So she did it. Listen, Julia did as well as you could expect. There's an extreme learning curve happening here to go from zero to opera. Now, later on the trip to Palm Beach with the girls, Larsa basically says, anybody could do opera, like, I could do it, and, and anybody could do it, and that's, like, true delusion on her part, which really, like, there's this whole movement on TikTok about how, like, being Delulu is the Salulu, and how that, like, if you just, like, walk through your life like a bad bitch, and things are gonna fall into place, and I think that this might actually be happening with Larsa. She's truly DeLulu. The problem is she's also stupid on top of that. But we'll get into that in a second. So, Martina, I've never seen her smile like that. Truly. Like, she looks so happy. We can't give Martina too much. You know? Because if I gotta give it to Anne-Marie over in Beverly Hills, like, we gotta apply the same rules to to Martina. And and her turf, turf turfdom. So, we're gonna have to move on. We really are. She seemed happy, though, okay? This was a good moment between she and Julia. So, Lisa arrives, and basically, she takes uh, Larsa and Alexia aside to say that, like, she was getting ready at the house. She wasn't, like, fully decent, right? Lenny comes waltzing into their bedroom and is, like, on some, like, this is my house, these are my rules, the mama was there being like, oh, I, I love the other woman better than you. We can't wait for you to leave, blah, blah, blah. Just like, it's hot. The kids were in the hallway during all of this. And so Lisa's like, I'm going to call the cops. And she did. And they basically are like, girl, you need to get out of that house. You need to get out of that situation and all the tethers and all the ties that are binding you to Lenny because it's getting to be too much for everybody, frankly. But more on that later, right? So then the ladies all get back together. Nicole. See, I don't feel like Dr. Nicole gets the credit that she deserves for being kind of the the operator. No, no. The, the, the um... You know, there are people who move storylines. Like, I would say, like, if we're gonna go, like, compare it to Beverly Hills, right? Like, I feel like Garcelle and Kyle are similar, but how they operate is very different. Kyle is, like, very obviously strategic, and really so is Garcelle. Like, I see what she's doing, but the way Garcelle goes about it is, like, she's just trying to keep the story moving, whereas Kyle just wants to get people in mess and, like, hide her hand, and that's a very different thing. Nicole wants to get the story moving, much like Garcelle, so she's like, Gertie, now that we're all together, now that we all know that you and Larsa have some tension because Larsa outed your cancer diagnosis to everybody, even though you explicitly told her not to. How you doing? You good? Gertie, you you good girl? (laughs) Not well, bitch. So Larsa's like, Gertie, you never told me not to tell anybody. And Gertie's like, Larsa, in the conversation where I told you not to say anything, you even made a joke about telling TMZ. So you knew that. It's you can't even say that you didn't hear me or you didn't hear it right because you made the joke, which would imply that you knew exactly what I was saying and that you knew that that was not the thing to do. Oops. So Larsa, of course, she's like the Simone Biles of bullshit. She's always trying to flip things and be like, well, were you even going to tell them? (laughs) Like, that's not even up to you, girl. That's not up to you. But Gertie's like, yeah, of course I was going to before I posted it. But what's not clicking with you, girl, is that you've spoiled it. you told everybody. And now she wants to hang on to this, like, testing thing. Because Dr. Nicole's like, so you know, there was something about a test. What was that? Like, Gertie, you were testing Larsa? And Gertie explains... No, I wanted to trust you. This was a way. We were on, like, shaky ground coming into this conversation. So I told you that as, like, kind of an, like our beginning olive branch towards us being able to have a better, more trustful relationship with each other. And you fucked it. You were irresponsible with the, your information. Who the hell are you to talk about my status to other people? And then she calls Larsa a pathological liar. And Larsa's like, you gotta stop. You gotta stop. Larsa is like, well, I was the one to get everybody to rally around you and show you love, you know? And if you don't know that about me, then you're a liar. (laughs) Larsa, you can't just use, pick a word. If you don't believe that I was trying to rally, then you're a liar. No, that's not how it works, babe. That's not how it works. Lisa was like trying to defend Larsa and be like, well, she was coming from a good place, Gertie stops her. Thank God. Like, I don't want to hear it. Okay. And actually, I'm going to leave because I'm not trying to like even be engaged in an ounce of this bullshit. So Julia walks her out. She and Russell. And she's like, Larsa just wants a W, which is absolutely correct. Like, Larsa will not hear Anything that down the line is going to make her take responsibility or have to apologize to anybody. She will find any way, stand on your forehead, pussy pop around to not say, I'm sorry, or to not admit, I fucked up. I fucked up as a friend. And I don't care. Like, I know a lot of people don't like Gertie for reasons like, I don't even understand why, whatever. If you have to have that, I'll let you have that. But the fact that y'all can't see this objectively wrong well infer- wrong way to disseminate this information on Lars's behalf is like truly laughable to me it- it's it's getting weird it's getting real weird <laughs> how could you possibly on- be on Lars's side like objectively this is fucked up y'all would be the fuck pissed if this were you all y'all all y'all so I don't even want to hear it. And we don't have to hear it, because this is my podcast, right? I don't have to talk about it. So I'm not going to. (laughs) So then, basically, like, everybody in the cast is trying to, over the course of the episode, try to softball this to Larsa. Hey, girl, you think maybe you overstepped your bounds? Like, Adriana tries to tell her later that, in a conversation with Larsa, Lisa and Adriana, she's like, you know, I don't think... Gertie's that mad at you, Lisa? I think it's maybe more you, Larsa, for saying something that you shouldn't have. But she's just so fucking dense. It's like a truly floppy disk. Floppy disk Pippin. Back again. Another highlight, not even a highlight, a major storyline that I saw people contesting was the situation with Julia and Alexia. They're trying to form their own friendship. Uh, you know, outside of Adriana, so they go shopping for this Palm Beach trip, and they're just, like, kicking it one-on-one, and they're really seemingly getting along until Julia makes mention, like, oh, maybe on the girls' trip we can share a bedroom. Traditionally, we know it's, like, Marisol and Alexia in one room, and usually Adriana and Julia will stay, uh, you know, together as well, but Julia's like, oh, maybe we should just, like, mix things up and stay together. Yeah, you know, I'll have to ask Todd. Now, this is like, okay, one time, mm, doesn't feel great, I would imagine. But Julia mentions to Adriana at the end of the episode, this was not one situation where Adriana mentioned this. This was two separate days where she said, I'm going to have to ask Todd, or like, I don't know, blah, 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 or whatever. And the great point that uh, Adriana brought up, Well, does she have to ask Todd for permission to share a bed with Marisol? Probably not. I feel like we always have to listen to people in marginalized situations when they feel some type of way about how something hits them. That's our job to, like, hear why they feel that way. So Julia is feeling like... That feels a little homophobic to me. That feels a little coded, especially because she mentioned it a couple of times. And what does that mean? Because I'm a married woman and so are you. So what are you suggesting? That, like, I can't control myself because that is a very dangerous stereotype. And she did mention it twice. And she... Alexia was kind of like, mm, you know, I don't really want to stay with you. Like, ah, is that something you really want to do? Huh? And it really didn't seem like, oh, I would rather stay with Marisol. Like, that's our thing. I feel like Alexia is going to owe... or does owe Julia a conversation and really be like, okay, even if that's not what I meant... I hear how that could be offensive to you, and I, I'm sorry, you know? I, th- I think that's fair. And, like, to be honest, if y'all saw the outfit that Julia wore for their two-hour drive to Palm Beach, the black, the strapless black dress with the old lady hat and, and the several strands of pearls, like, do you think that that woman is, that's a woman who gets hit on, okay? She floats, Julia floats through life having people be like, wow, look at you. This is not a woman who's putting in a whole lot of effort. Because she doesn't have to. Because she's a baddie. Okay? (laughs) This is a woman who will wear a strand of pearls to a, to a, you know, she, she's on her own wavelength. I don't really think she's interested in hitting on you. And even if she was, she wouldn't have to. You come to her. You come to her. I feel like Julia really must live her life kind of like Luann did before she got the count. Like, like Martina is Julia's count she's the countess of tennis however she lived her life with like the 70,000 engagements that she had very similar to Luann so I I feel like I know what I'm looking at like she might be like a bit of an odd bird but that bird is getting play I could tell you that and quiet as is kept Alexia when y'all were going shopping um it was Miss Julia who was giving legs hips and body and you were like damn girl Damn, Gina! Look what you got tucked under those pearls. So maybe you need to think about how you feel. How about that? Let's call you to the carpet, Alexia. <laughs> anyway, so everybody gets together for this drive to Palm Beach. No boyfriends, no Marcus. Thank God. Even Lisa had to be like, "Girl, we can spend two days away from our men. If I can unvelcro myself from Jody, certainly you can do it for Marcus." Okay? Because we're the worst ones. <laughs> But I can do it, so can you. So they get together. I love, oh something about the luxury of them riding off in, like, a Rolls Royce, a Bentley, another Bentley, maybe another Rolls Royce. Like, I don't know what's going on. But Lisa, because they're all, like, paired off in threes. Now, Lisa's in a Rolly that she tells uh, Marisol... And who's it, Gertie? Yeah, Marisol and Gertie and Lisa are riding together. And Lisa tells them that uh, this is Lenny's car. And Marisol somehow goes into a splooge-related spiral about how there's splooge all over this car, the girlfriend's splooge, German splooge all over this car, and I'm probably sitting in it. And then she realizes that Lenny's girlfriend's, like, Austrian or something. So it's Austrian splooge. Marisol, I'm not sure if you know what splooge is, what it is. But I don't think we use splooge for what comes out of a vagina. I don't think that's the term. That I've never heard that. Also, why would all of that be all over the... <laughs> Where is your mind going, ma'am? Marisol is one of those people who, like, seemingly never wants to talk about sex, but all of a sudden you're in a whirlwind of Austrian splooge. That's the first thing that came to your mind? <laughs> it really makes you think. So... Lisa's telling them about, like, what's going on. And also, the, you know, if if something happens with Lenny and Lisa, rest assured, Francesca down to the page six is going to write about it about 15 minutes later. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about and Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Articles up ladies. So that article about what happened when the cops came came out and it told a very different story than how Lisa had delivered it to uh, the ladies earlier. The page six article basically was like, Lisa was the one who was like kind of the aggressor, but how ultimately when the cops came, they couldn't determine probable cause to press charges on either party. So Gertie and Marisol trying to con- like encourage Lisa, maybe stop talking about Lenny so much. You know, it was like when Heather DeBro took uh, Emily into that golf cart last season and said, baby girl. You keep talking about your ex-man to your current man, he's gonna get tired of that. And I think Travis, Emily's boyfriend, could handle that. However, they're very much, like, Jody's making it very clear that he does not want the name on everybody's lips to be Lenny Hoxstein. Least of all, his girlfriend... Especially when he's, like, kind of bankrolling his girlfriend at this point. Like, maybe just... We don't have to talk about Lenny so much. So, I think in this case, it's actually good advice. Like, Carl, you're... Because it's not like... It's, like, perpetual. Like, she will not stop talking about this man. And it's clearly affecting... It's not even like she's just talking to Jody. It's everybody. And it seems like she can't get Lenny out of her mouth. And she needs to stop for a lot of reasons. And I feel like, man those kids are, like, really young, and what are they seeing and all the screaming and shit-talking that's happening in both of those households? Like, girl. Girl. Can we get the kids in therapy immediately? Please. Please. Gertie and, and Marisol are trying to talk to her, but Lisa basically is like, I'm having an anxiety attack, so they're like, okay, 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 you're driving, so we'll stop. That's We'll shut up about it, but Girl, you really do need to, to stop it. And I think, you know, maybe at least it needs to be a friend of. And Maybe we could bring Kiki up to the big leagues. And talk about all the sex she's having. Because I love that. Telling tell Marisol, if you don't want to hear it, you're my friend. You want to hear about me getting dicked two times last night and again in the morning. And if you can't handle it, put two dildos in your ears, girl. Because I'm going to talk about it. One thing about Kiki is she's gonna be horny, and there will be mention of dildos. And I love it. I love it. Anyway, on let's backwards? be fundamentally No. Are you sure? Backwards? It's... Upside down? No. I'm so oh, yeah. I think upside down.
1: Is yours upside down?
0: Mine? Don't do this. Don't do this. I know what you're doing. Stop it. Don't do this. I swear I think oh, your ja- jacket is upside no, down. Stop it. I know what you're doing. I'm not your jacket. I don't give a flying ass about a jacket. OK. OK? Take him down. Stop it. Don't do this. So what am I doing? What am I doing? What am I doing? Am I doing? Maybe Denise is onto something, and in two years, we'll all be wearing upside down jackets, and it'll be the hottest trend. But right now, (laughs) it's a hard no for me. So like I said, Garcelle brought up to everybody at the table that people are talking, talking about people. And those people are Kyle and Mauricio and her marriage and the ring. And what's going on with this new band that you have on your wedding ring, girl? Mentioned it all. So Kyle says that her wedding ring is in the bank. And she also said that this ring that we're seeing is one that she bought for herself. But we also want to act like, huh? I don't know what you guys are talking about. So Sutton is like, well, all these things add up, Kyle. You know, let's talk about it. And Garcelle says that she thought that the ring that uh, maybe Kyle was wearing was like a makeup band, like a, like a. I mean, this is the only example that comes to mind. And no disrespect, but you know, like the the ring that Kobe got Vanessa all those years ago—that big ass yellow diamond that he got after he he cheated—it's giving that. So Kyle's like, so what you're saying is my husband cheated on me, and th- and that we're making up? Is that what you guys are saying? So Sutton's like, no, Kyle, no, never mind, Kyle. I'm a, I'm okay. I'm content with all your answers. Never mind. So Kyle's like, okay, well, here's the thing. I don't want to drink, you guys. That's it. If I have even two drinks at this point, I'm waking up in a spiral, and I can't afford to do that. So that's it. Somehow, Sutton and Kyle get into the <laughs> Kyle get into this very passive aggressive conversation where it's like neither of them want to fully say like the, Both of them have cards, both of them got ammo, but they're holding it behind their back, and they don't really want to talk about what they just talked about, because they don't want everything mentioned at the table, because Sutton doesn't want to talk about, you know, having to be forced to move to London, but then not, and then Kyle doesn't want to talk about her marriage, even though she's kind of already talked about it, but then suddenly doesn't want to talk about it anymore. Thank God, somehow the conversation changes to the topic of love. Thank you to Cynthia Bailey, our resident Pisces, one of the few, one of the few Pisces in all of Bravo. <laughs> It's a very sad thing. If you look up the amount of Pisces on Bravo, not only are like, um, there are like seven of them. They're all, they've all been fired. <laughs> Kristen Doty, D'Andra from Dallas, Cynthia Bailey. It's not good. It's not good at all. <laughs> Maybe we don't need the representation, honestly. It's not great. So Cynthia talks about how, you know, there's a power in being single. You know, we can all at this table have a man, make no mistake, but there's power in like having those moments to to yourself. And Erica kind of piggybacks off of that and says that she really wants that one great love in her life. She's never had it that I can't be, you know, away from you. Like we're stuck to each other kind of love. We're having this adventure sort of thing. All consuming. I haven't had that movie love. And Sutton says in a confessional. But Erica, you have had that. You know, you have had that love like in the movies. It was Harold and Maude, only in reverse. And that'll probably eventually lead to a Lifetime movie or something like that. But you did have it. (laughs) Harold and Maude. (laughs) Where that 80-year-old bitch starts fucking that 20-year-old bitch. I screamed. I I died. (laughs) So then Dorit asks how she feels being back in the group, right? Because we know there was no plan for Denise to come back on this show. She pulled up with no mic on, the producers didn't know, the camera people were scrambling, like, totally, bravo, bravo, fucking bravo, Denise Richards is back. So, she's asking, how do you feel? Do you miss everybody? She's like, yeah, yeah, I do. I, I miss everybody. And Dorit says, everyone? So then, Denise turns to Erica and she goes you know I I do have a question I wanted to know why you treated me in a certain way after I met you I don't know I'm doing the southern accent (laughs) and I could say this about me and you you and I the first time I met you you were so sweet and so lovely and then a year later it was a different dynamic and Erica's like, "Denise, I don't feel anything personal toward you." Denise says, "No, you know what I'm talking about. And I'm asking you. Like, what did I do to you?" And Erica's like, genuinely, it's hard to see Erica be like legitimately confused. Like she's always got a character going, but the veil has fallen. She's like, "I can you tell me? Can you tell me what I did to you? Cuz I'm I'm not clear." And Denise goes, well, I'll be very clear. You were so kind to me. And I was like, oh my gosh, she's so sweet and so lovely. And when I came, sorry guys, I have such a bad cold. You, you, you're you very different towards me. And so Kyle's like, but what was it? And Denise goes, oh, you guys, come on. We're grown-ass adults. You know what I'm talking about. Erica has to be like, no, I'm sorry, I don't. Really? Yeah, really. And then Denise is trying real hard to focus. Like, I know that a lot of us in our, like, college years maybe would do a couple of substances in a night. And then you'd find yourself in a bed just trying to hang on to something to hold on to so you don't get the spins. This is what Denise was doing. Like, her eyes were not even crossed. It was like they were in two very separate directions. <laughs> one was pointed at the East Coast and one was at West Coast. Okay? It was, it was a lot. She was glassy and really tried hard to focus. <laughs> so then, Erica's like, okay, Denise, is there anything specific you're trying to point out? Or is this like a whole thing? This is a whole thing. So now everybody at the table is like, can you be more specific, Denise? Even just one example. Just can you, can you come up with one? So Denise is like, I don't need an example. Watch the show. Watch the show. That's your whole example. Watch the show. If you need to take a second, watch the show. Come back and do this and fucking great. I don't even know how to explain it. So Erica goes, okay. <laughs> Denise says, I was so fucking nice to you. You're a bitch to me. You know it. So Erica goes, I do? Okay. <laughs> Just like own it. Own what, Denise? That. Okay, Denise, I apologize to you. Thank you. Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> she said, You're welcome to herself. <laughs> the chef, the high chef, is like peeking behind the door from the kitchen saying to the other his, like sous chef Denise Retgins is just fucking fucked up dude. <laughs> it is so uncomfortable. Justin the lady sitter from Instagram is like taking all of this in. Justin was all of us in this moment confused, maybe a little turned on. utterly entertained. But really trying to figure out what's going on. And then Sutton pulls out a joint. And honestly, that was like the most sensical thing that happened at that whole fucking THC-infused dinner, lest we not forget. And all of a sudden, this must be, no shade, you guys, but I think this might be a Gen X thing where we can all consume THC in this food, but the moment that Sutton pulls a joint out, And start smoking. Kyle said I could smoke it at the table. We're all like, whoa, Sutton. Wow, you're taking two puffs of a joint at a table? Like, that's crazy, girl. (laughs) She's crazy. (laughs) You guys are all high. What is the, now we're scandalized? Because it's in smokable form. That I was rocking with Sutton on that. Who cares? Who cares? This is the most normal thing that's happened at this dinner table. The THC infused dinner table. The, the entire time that we've been here. So, let's get weird. <laughs> we already have. We can't get any. Y'all saw what Denise just stumbled her way through. And now we're like weirded out by the joint. Okay. Okay. I really hate that. I find that so annoying. <laughs> But then, like, the dinner's kind of winding down. Denise had had her pink, fluffy jacket over the seat. So she puts it on, goes to, like, have a moment, asks Kyle to talk. So they're walking, like, from the dining room to the bar. There's a hallway. And in the hallway, there's a picture window size hole that you could see into the bar. So they're walking... It's just Kyle and Denise, and Garcelle's on the bar, or at the bar. She can see Garcelle, and she's just pointing in that hole. She's like, look at this. You see the Kyle? You see that? Kyle's looking at her like, what? What are we looking at? I don't know. So they go to the bar. It's Kyle, Garcelle, Denise Richards, and Sutton. And Garcelle is trying to talk some sense into Denise, saying... I don't think Erica knew what you meant. She knew exactly what I was talking about. The fucking dumb fuck, dumb fuck. <laughs> <laughs> so then all the ladies are joining for a post dinner drink, and Dorita is really trying to like come to Denise as a woman and be like, Denise, is this is your jacket all backwards? Is yours? No, no, I swear I think it's like backwards. Or maybe it's upside down. Don't do this, Dorit. I don't give a flying ass fuck about the jacket. Stop it. Stop doing this. Dorit's like, no, but I think it's upside down. Don't do this, Dorit. Don't do it. (laughs) No, but really, don't you dare. Finally, Kyle's able to get uh, Denise into the back of a, a suburban. And she's like, Denise is like, she knows what she did. She knows exactly what she did. Like, okay, Denise, bye, goodbye. So then when Kyle comes back into the house, Dreet decides to tell Kyle that when after she and Sutton had their one-on-one conversation, Kyle went to do whatever, Didn't uh, Sutton went to sit down, and somebody was like, oh, where's Kyle? And Sutton said something like, oh, uh, she's probably in denial about something. So Kyle's, like, battering her back, turns right around and goes, er, uh, uh, Sutton, what do you know? What were you implying? What am I in denial about? So son's like, well, it just feels like you're in denial about something, but I'll let it go, Kyle. I will. So Kyle's like, no, no, no. You need to share. Share how about I'm in denial. And then she says in a confessional, like, personally, I just think she's not happy, you know? People's marriages ebb and flow. Maybe theirs is just not flowing right now. So then... Kyle kind of tries to get off on this, like, technicality of, well, I talked about how me and Mo-, Mo were, like, not in a good place at the retreat. And, like, we were supposed to just take that little scrap of information, something that she would not accept from anybody else. Nobody else. Everybody else it would be like, be honest. Talk about it. What's going on? She would have been mentioning it at the dinner table had it not been Mo. She would have been all up in their business. But now it's like, well, I mentioned it in passing, like, three weeks ago, you guys. <laughs> What's the big deal? But then Kyla wants to be like, well, if my friend was going through a hard time, I wouldn't approach a friend like that. Yes, you would. <laughs> yes, he would. Let's, let's go back to season one in the back of that limo. When you had no problem, let the whole world know that Kim Richards, your sister, had a drinking problem. And we want to talk about that. But OK, let's talk about how you wouldn't approach a friend like that. Maybe maybe just for Kim and Kathy. Oh oops, 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 oops. But anyway, then even though Kyle just said I would never approach a friend like that if they were going through a hard time, tell Sutton, I don't know if you're on like your first or fifth drink, or maybe it's the pills that you take at night for your foot, like I don't know what's going on with you. So she could just be like, I don't know if you're sober, so you're you're into into your cups, girl, in front of everybody. But nobody could ask you about your marriage that splashed all over the news at this point. And you're not wearing your wedding ring. And nobody's seen Mauricio. <laughs> but now we can't talk about it. But we can talk about Sutton having a, potentially having a drinking problem. A substance abuse problem on camera. Pills and alcohol are fine. You obviously separated from Mauricio. Not fine. Okay. Okay. And... If the pills and alcohol were not enough, then she brings up how maybe you have an eating disorder. You know, I just see you pushing your food around the plate and not eating it. So someone's like, Kyle, that's really not cool. I don't call you on stuff like, oh, you know, maybe if you're not drinking anymore, is it because you maybe drank too much? I don't need to call you on that. You don't need to call me out either. So then Sutton tells every tells Kyle in front of everybody, I'm sick of fighting with you. I really am. You already lost two sisters. You want to lose a third one? <laughs> uh, Sutton is Buck Wild. She's so wealthy. I had a friend text me the other day and be like, what's wrong with Sutton? And I said, She's too rich. Everything that could be informed by Sutton is that she's too rich. <laughs> That's it. And if you if you just lean into that, it's like a little bit entertaining. I, I think Sutton is very necessary to this franchise. And I know many people disagree. But I'm hoping you see the light. I really do. I really... <laughs> the fact that she would position herself as another Richard's sister. And also... Be like, you want to lose another one, Kyle? (laughs) That's fucked up. But also, Kyle, you kind of set yourself up for fucked up the fucked up Olympics. And now you're going to be mad that Sutton got gold. Okay? So Kyle's like, fuck you. Fuck you, Sutton. You got your own issues with Kathy. You don't want to talk about that. You just want to kiss her ass. You don't want to talk about that publicly. So Sutton's like, I can mention it. I can say that. So she says, uh, Kathy didn't like that I didn't stick up for her in the public, in the press. So she called and she had some words for me. And I told Kyle, like, yeah, I kind of see what your point. I see what you went through with Kathy before. I get it now. Okay. I mean, okay. (laughs) This is more of a gotcha moment for Kathy than Sutton. But, well, I think that's how it works, too. I think that was actually a pretty Bobby Fisher-like chess move on, on Kyle's behalf. To be like, okay, I was right from last season, you guys. <laughs> Things do happen. Listen, I don't think anybody who was uh, pro-Kathy in this Kathy versus Reno thing last season would deny for a second that it would be out of the realm of possibility that Kathy would have screamed at somebody and just, like, and just lashed out at them in a in a wild way that that's that's i would never deny that planning for your next trip elevate your travel style with quince quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway like european linen premium luggage options buttery soft italian leather bags and so much more and it's all priced at 50 to 80 percent less than similar brands plus quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices Not that, but I do miss her. Anyway, um, speaking about people like who you know, if we, if uh, speaking of Kathy Hilton, if we were going to continue to have problematic people on our show, we could have kept Kathy and not Anne Marie, and her transphobic ass and her husband with the the sexual assault charges from his college days. We could have just kept Kathy. <laughs> we were going to do that. At least she's funny. And I also don't, like, need her coming in as a soldier for Christ for Kyle Richards. Like, I don't, I don't care. In her two-season-old dress. And I don't care. And I'm certainly not about to watch Pickleball. So, actually, y'all did me a favor. Put Anne-Marie in every Pickleball scene. Because I'll just 30, 30, 30 second, right through it. 30 seconds to Mars. <laughs> Over it. The only thing that I'm going to say is that Anne-Marie says that she's a nurse nurse anesthetist or whatever. So <laughs> she brings up Sutton talking about her esophagus issues and is like, well, that doesn't really make sense to me why she can't swallow because, like, whatever. Like, I'm going to have to ask her about that. Like, what? Okay, girl. I'm going to have to ask Sutton about that. Okay, we'll ask her, girl. Ask her. After that, Garcel, Crystal, and Sutton and a more present version of Denise Richards do go to lunch together, and they finally are able to get out what Denise was upset about. But first, Sutton goes in on Kyle for talking about her drinking and stuff. She's like, you know, here she is uh, two weeks ago, splits in ponytail on the ceiling, wants to talk about my drinking habits. And I just think that's very interesting. And then Crystal does tell Sutton, you know... You can have your feelings, but I think maybe bringing up the sisters was like a kind of a low blow, which Sutton does agree to. So then Denise says that her issue with Erica was from back when she had the girls over for like an outdoor dining experience. And then she had that whole kids table with her daughters and her daughter's friends and then expected uh, the women to I believe they were asking about sex. And then suddenly Denise was scandalized by them continuing to have a conversation about sex and threesomes or whatever. Um, And so she basically just wants Erica to acknowledge that. I don't think that's going to happen. There's another scene where PK and Dorit have a conversation because Dorit says that she, once the pandemic hit, got the kids homeschooling. They have teachers that come. (laughs) In the scene, did you guys notice the teacher was teaching Phoenix and Jagger about books and literally teaching them that you should judge a book by its cover like the outside could tell you a lot about what's going on that's that's a good thing to do (laughs) I think we're maybe teaching the wrong lessons but they have this like kind of stilted conversation because there's a lot of hinting on Dorit's end that PK does nothing when it comes to anything in the house child rearing. He has no idea what the kids are up to. Barely knows how old they are. He doesn't like bring the chips into the house. He's eaten by the fistful. He doesn't do anything. He's out there kicking it with boy George, making money, and is like not in tune at all with the needs of the children, which they kind of act like this is like a, oh, ha ha ha, cutesy thing that goes on between them. And I think it's not I think it's not for Dorit, but PK is trying to tell her the kids need to go to like a regular school with other kids, and I know that you've got this like PTSD from the break in, but like I'm trying to tell you that you need to be realistic about life, and Dorit's like, well, he doesn't understand. Like I was, there was a moment where I thought my kids were gonna die. And, like, I really felt that. That was a very real thing for me. And I kind of see both sides, but I feel like they're also having two different conversations. I think that PK thinks that the best course of action for Dorit at this point is to give her tough love and be like, yeah, I'm, like, not coddle her, basically, and not feed into every protection that she wants to give herself or the children because of what happened. And that is true, but I also think that there's, like, such a disjoint happening within their relationship and how they move as a unit and as, like, a parent unit and as a couple that I think there are, like, things that need to be fixed before we get to tough love. Like, PK's maybe getting a little too familiar, if you know what I mean, and just being like, get over it, baby. I I gotta be the husband. I gotta be the leader tell you what to do but I think she needs like something before she's going to allow him to leave but she's not saying what that thing is you know what I mean well, yeah so anyway um the end of the episode is with Kyle and Dorit they're out going for a hike and they're having a conversation about Sutton suggesting that like she's trying to hide something and how that was a really low blow thank god a hero amongst us comes walking up with Kim Richards. We have seen Kim in a lot of states, and I think this is by far the most lucid, healthy, together version of Kim that we've seen. It really, like, made me so happy to see her and to, like, talk some sense into Kyle or try to and try to, like, parse out the dynamics between all the sisters and what's going on, right? Because she's talking about how she was basically hunkered down during the COVID pandemic in the beginning, didn't leave her house, didn't go anywhere, was having a rough time. But in that, she found her um drawings, her little paintings, and now she's doing murals of, um you know, animals and things. And honestly, they're like a little bit scary. Like that fish was just a little, maybe a little too clinical of a drawing for me. But like, she paints better than I could. That's for sure. That's definite for sure. So Kim mentions how, oh, you know, I'm doing all these paintings, and I told Paris, if you want me to do a mural for your nursery for Phoenix, I can do that. Just let me know. And so Kyle's like, oh, have you seen him? Have you met her baby yet? And Kim has to be like, "Uh uh-huh. Yep, I have. So Kyle mentions in a confessional, and with the help of a couple flashbacks where she's had a conversation with Mo about, uh you know, not seeing the kids. And then she uh, has dinner with the girls, her daughters. And she says, she asked them, have they gone to see Phoenix? yet And they're like, no, like, basically, like, we don't, it's kind of awkward because you and Kathy are fighting, you know, how do we navigate that? And Kyle's telling them, like, don't worry about me and what drama we're going through. Like, we want you guys to all be family and, and you know, not Bring your drama into it. And she says in a confessional that basically when they get into these scuffles, it's all a package deal where Kim's going, all the kids are going too. same with Kathy, same with her. So basically she's beefing with Kathy and with that P- Paris, Nikki, all them have been rescinded from, Ka- from Kyle. Don't do it. So it's not great. It's not great. She's like, you know, I hate, it's like the hardest thing to have to deal with. That, like, I can't have, you know, family with my my niece because I'm not talking to her mama. So, Kim talks about how, you know, this is rough. We don't have much time yet left. And, you know, like, it's too short. Life is too short for us to keep fighting. And she's, like, getting a little bit emotional. She's like, it really bothers me, you know? And she tells Kyle, like, I really want you and Kathy to fix it. I really do. I really do. And I think, you know, out of this dynamic of the three of them, I think Kim is more likely to get Kyle and Kathy together than the other way around. Like, Kyle, I don't think is helping anybody. (laughs) No shade. And Kathy, I think, might. But I think Kathy really enjoys her dynamic, being friends with Kim. And they're being besties. I think Kim is really the one who joins them together when she can. So I appreciate that. I don't think it's working so far. Not this year, but maybe 2024. (laughs) I should laugh because it's fucked up. (laughs) But prayers up for the Richard sisters. Prayers up. All right, let's finish this. I have a question for everyone in this car. Oh, geez. Who here has a room with a bathtub in it? I do. Me. I do. Me too. You all saw that I was white as a ghost, covered in blankets in the middle of an island, very ill. I said, I'd like to warm up, I'd like to take a bath. And somehow I got shoved into one without a bathtub. And I just feel that it might have been nice, knowing as sick as I was, that you might have thought, oh, let's give her a room with a bathtub. So who's supposed to give up their room with a bathtub? Let's finish up with Real Housewives of Salt Lake City real quick. Real quick, okay? We're on our cast trip. One of our first international trips in all of Salt Lake history because, well, you know why. But we're in Bermuda. We're in Bermuda. Thank God. Everybody takes a sleeping pill before the flight. We see this. They're at the airport. And we're told that apparently uh, Heather was playing Candyman, just giving out Xanax to everybody, right? Unbeknownst to... Meredith, allegedly, she accidentally double dips and takes two pills. So she's passed out in the, in the waiting, in, in the, the, the the wherever, the Delta Diamond section that they are, <laughs> in the lounge. She's passed out. They're having to wake her up for the flight. When they're landing, Heather's filming herself saying, we're in Bermuda. I'm so excited. And so is Meredith. And there's Meredith, just weekend of burning herself, passed out behind her Meredith Mark sleeping mask. God bless. So they get to the van, and Meredith is cold. She's like, can we drive her? Can, can you put the heat up? And Heather's like, no, 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 no. Don't listen to her. We're fine. We're in the middle of an island. You'll be okay. She keeps saying, I'm so cold. I'm freezing. She's like Jack at the end of Titanic and begging Monica's given her a blanket to warm up. She's bundled up like mother God in the back of the van. Like it's, it's bad F- from head to toe. <laughs> so they get to the house and it's super nice, right? Everybody has their own room. They're doing the typical like housewives running to get their rooms, right? Cause everybody wants the right one. And Meredith is like above that. She's disengaging. I don't want to have to run around and be dramatic. Just give me a, a room with a bathtub and I'll be fine. And, of course, what happens is that everybody gets their own individual rooms, which is rare in Housewives history. Usually, two of you got to bunk up. And everybody gets a room with a bathtub. Except for Meredith. Except for Meredith. <laughs> which really was, like, her fault, girl. You you wanted to sit there and nibble on a cracker in the kitchen. And so you get what you get. And you don't get upset. And that's that's it's very funny to me to see the, the results. So Whitney's still mad at Lisa because of what happened at Meredith's event where, you know, her friend had just passed away. She felt like Lisa was not there for her in the way that she needed her and was being insensitive and palling around with Heather instead of uh being kind to her. So she's still feeling some type of way. They're kind of ignoring each other, right? Whitney tells Angie Kay that she had texted Lisa after Meredith's event and that Lisa never responded. So she's doubly feeling some type of way. Whitney then says in a confessional that she feels like her friendship with Lisa's, like, kind of for Lisa's betterment. And how she's made Lisa kind of a better person. Something that she also told Heather. Big mistake. Huge. Heather does this thing that is so funny to me. Is that she will present this information like it's innocent. So we see a flashback where she's telling... Lisa, oh yeah, Whitney said that, um, you know, like, since you guys have been friends, that you've been, like, a much better person. Lisa's like, what? What do you mean? What do you mean? And Heather's like, oh, did you not, did she not tell you that? Did you not know that? Oh. Because that's what she said. Oops. Oh, no. Did she, did she not tell you? Oh. Oh, no. Lisa says in a confessional, give a girl a crystal and now she thinks she's the Dalai Lama. She thinks hanging out with me makes me, hanging out with her makes me a better person. <laughs> so Lisa tells Heather, I'm not having like Tony Robbins conversations with Whitney. So that's like a little bit shocking to me. So then another scene. Now that Meredith is like fully pouting in her non bathtub room, Monica decides to like be fair to her, not fair to her, but like kind of appease her a little bit. Bring her a plate of food because she didn't want to eat whatever how are you feeling Meredith how are you feeling about the room situation Meredith goes you know you guys see that I'm not feeling well and I'm walking around in a blanket and I'm hearing people say let's make sure Meredith gets a bathtub I heard that and here we are I don't okay And if anybody else were on a trip, and somebody were not feeling well, and they were feeling sick, and they were also really loved a bathtub, I would make sure that they got one. So why wouldn't you give me the bathtub when you know that I'm feeling like I'm dying right now? (laughs) So then we get everybody's reactions in the confessional, where Monica's like, "Listen, I love Meredith." but not enough to give up my bathtub, right? And then Heather says, Heather's really the one who should have given it up, says, I use my bathtub as a hamper. Like, I don't use it as a bath. I, I just throw my clothes in there during the trip. <laughs> and then uh, Lisa's like, I understand that Meredith has a, a a big obsession with bathtubs, but I have an obsession with views, and I'm not going to give mine up. So a producer ends up texting Meredith while she's, like, dead to the bed, asking if she's okay. And she responds, I'm not, really. So they have a medic come to check on her, and they basically determine, you know, your blood pressure's fine, you're just a little bit dehydrated. Which is not at all surprising, because it seems like the only thing that Meredith has consumed today has been um, champagne, coffee, and Xanax. But the full drama of her laying back to the bed, at a 54 degree angle arm out to get this ivy just like looking so pathetic while they're doing a rum tasting is so funny to me <laughs> whitney shows up late to the rum tasting because she's taking a bath so honestly i'm gonna give whitney a pass on this because at least she's utilizing the bath tub she's using it at least nobody else is going to probably getting her spray tan all over that bathtub god bless i hope they tipped well Monica says that she actually did not start drinking until she was in her 30s after she got excommunicated from the church, which is wild to me because I laid one eye on Monica and I was like, she's in my dream blunt rotation, like in all housewives. So I wonder like where, where she, where's her relationship to weed? Cause I'd, I'd like to know. Let, let a girl know, girl. Next time in New York, you're in New York, holler at me, please. <laughs> so then... We see Meredith getting her makeup done in bed, like laid down on the bed, just rubbing foundation all over her body and all over her face. Like, I don't even know what's going on. Telling her glam guy, I don't even know what's going on right now, except I didn't get a bathtub. (laughs) Girl down, girl down. Finally, she manages to rally in time for everybody to get in the car and go to dinner. So they're going to dinner, they're on their ride, and Meredith says, I have a question for everyone in this car. Who here has a room with a bathtub in it? And everybody has to raise their hands. <laughs> and now she's really pissed. She goes, You all saw that I was white as a ghost, covered in blankets in the middle of an island, very ill. And I said, I'd like to warm up and take a bath. And somehow I got shoved into one without a bathtub. And I just feel like it might have been nice, knowing as sick as I was, to be like, oh, let's give her a bathtub. So then Lisa goes, so which one of us was supposed to give up our room? And Meredith has to be like, I'm speaking to you guys as a whole. I just don't feel respected. And this just exemplified it. (laughs) exemplified is not a word she meant exemplified she didn't say that though for whatever reason angie decides to flip this and take this opportunity to call out meredith for saying to heather that she liked to spread her legs earlier to which meredith has to explain no i said that because when we were looking at the rooms you angie said oh she's gonna be bringing men back and i said what you said to me which is that i was spreading my legs for everybody else like i was repeating it as a joke like a gotcha moment angie (laughs) so then (laughs) they get into it angie tells meredith that she was threatening her and then meredith uses her law degree to tell angie a threat is an intent to harm somebody i never threatened you Somehow, some way, this ends up with them basically agreeing to have a one-on-one conversation in the future. Okay, let's let's do it. Let's do it. <laughs> this is so convoluted. I'm loving this feud. So we're supposed to believe that Meredith has any right to be mad at Angie when Meredith, on like however many uh, my ties she had in Palm Springs was, like, talking about the rumors and the nastiness. You want to talk about a husband? I can go there. So you're mad at Angie. For what? Don't even tell me, girl. I don't care. I'm having fun. I'm having so much fun. So when everybody sits down for dinner, Meredith says she's not over it. I just want my feelings acknowledged. So people finally are like, okay, girl, we acknowledge that you wanted a bathtub. All right? A bathtub that you're not gonna be getting, so what do we need to acknowledge it for? <laughs> but let's we'll do it. In the spirit of acknowledgement, we recognize that you wanted a bathtub. So so then it goes on to now that we're talking about acknowledgement, Lisa, the other day um when I told you what I said, you that hurt my feelings. This is Whitney. And so Lisa goes, No, you didn't tell me anything. There were a lot of things said, and I left Meredith's event, and I went home upset. I'm just walking on eggshells with you, Whitney. So Whitney's like, but I needed you as a friend. You know, I just needed you to love me and support me for losing somebody who I love deeply. And so Lisa keeps saying, I was walking on eggshells with you. I don't know what's going on with you. I'm like dancing on eggshells with you, Whitney. So Lisa says in a confessional, you know, the grieving is very hard. So like if Whitney needed me in a very specific way... All she had to do was ask. So the Whitney says, all I wanted you to say is that you hurt my feelings. And then I followed up with text messages and you never responded. And so Whitney says in a confessional, or sorry, Lisa says in a confessional, it just seems like Whitney's trying to find somebody to take her anger out rather than have them grieve with her. So then Whitney tells Lisa, you treated me shitty. And I, I didn't like that in that moment. And Lisa's like, well, because you try to make it all about yourself. And I, I didn't want to do that. I didn't want to do that. And like, let's actually talk about something. Cause I guess you had a conversation with Heather where you said that I was a better person after hanging out with you. What's, what's that about? So then Whitney looks at Heather and is like, what the fuck? What the fuck is that? Why are you meddling in my relationship with Lisa? <laughs> so Whitney tells Lisa that Heather's just spinning it, you know? And Heather's like, no, no, no. That's what you said word for word about you making her a better person. So then it's like Lisa and Whitney versus Heather. Heather versus Le- Whitney. Heather, Lisa versus Whitney. It, it's, all a, it's all a clusterfuck. It really is. Lisa starts a spiral about how I'm always dancing on eggshells with you, Whitney. Usually I'm a bulldog who can take anybody out. But like, I'm quiet. I quiet myself around you and other certain people because like not everybody can handle it. Like, and at some point during getting into it, Meredith looks over at Angie and goes, well, at least it's not us fighting. And they cheers. <laughs> they cheers to that. So then Heather and Whitney are going back and forth about Lisa and how, like, both of them have to, like, cater their relationship with each other for Lisa and vice versa. And then Whitney tells Heather, shut the fuck up. And Heather's like, don't speak to me like that. Now I'm pissed off. Whitney goes, good. <laughs> good good. (laughs) So then Whitney turns to Lisa and is like, lately, I've been trying to come to you for comfort. And then Heather starts to laugh. And she says in a confessional, Lisa's a lot of things, but mother comfort is not one of them. And then Heather says, where did we come from? Where did we get to the place where Lisa would be the first person you went to in a time of need? And Whitney's like, you guys have no idea what Lisa and I's friendship is like. And we, if we were to tell you, you would just get triggered and try to ruin it. So now everybody at the table's like, okay, Whitney, that was maybe a little too far. Even Lisa has to be like, oh, no. <laughs> oh, oh, I mean, no, no. Like, she loves it. Lisa loves when people are fighting over her. She lives for it. But she has to act like she's keeping it cute. Oh, my God. So basically, <laughs> Whitney's, or Whitney's Heather says in a confessional, I don't need Whitney's help to, like, mess up a relationship with Lisa. Whitney can do that all on her own. And she's probably doing it right now at this dinner table. (laughs) So Whitney starts swearing up and down that everybody's just jealous of her relationship with Lisa. And how they're all just mad because she's not crawling up their ass and all this stuff. It's like the Lisa show. And we're all just competing for her attention and love. And Whitney's America's Lisa's best top friend. And and that's it. And you're all haters because of it. It starts raining. And they're like, okay, you guys have literally brought the bad weather to this situation. We're going back to the house. Didn't even get to finish her meal. Because here's Monica having some leftover mac and cheese. Just trying to get some carbs down before she goes to bed. So she and uh, Meredith have a glass at the dinner table. At the kitchen table. Just kind of winding down for the night. And... Basically, like, Monica's trying not to laugh at M- Meredith because they're, like, forming a friendship. But Meredith is still not over the bathtub situation, how badly she wanted the bathtub. Everybody knows I love bathtubs. Monica. So then, Meredith says in a confessional um, that she and Monica have gotten really close recently. And honestly, if it weren't for Monica, she probably would have been on the next flight home by now. Angie. Ooh. This is interesting. Meredith starts blaming Angie for, like, provoking her and gaslighting her and manipulating her into a response and then blaming her for it. And Monica's like, yeah, totally. I see that, too. You know, it's just really so crazy because you remember that, that page? I think there's a lot of shady shit going on. And Meredith is like, Not really responding. So Monica says in a confessional that a few weeks ago, she and Meredith went out to lunch. And then after that, they were hanging out in Park City, like, on the main street. And there was a conversation about how the Greek Mafia used to be run by the main street. Or the Greek Mafia used to run the main street in Park City. And how that is, like, maybe Angie Kay might be part of the Greek mafia. So shortly after that Meredith called Monica and tells her she's gotten all these weird DMs from her random Instagram account and asks Monica, "Did you get those messages too?" So Monica looks in her DMs and is like, "Oh yeah, I did." So the screen pop the screenshot pops up of this DM saying Angie K is a total fraud. She's not even close to the level of wealth that she represents. In fact, one could say she's broke. She has a current tax lien against her, and her husband declared bankruptcy. I've attached his bankruptcy filing and her tax lien with the addresses darkened. All public record, but we've known about them forever. Another couple on reality TV misrepresenting themselves. LOL. Shocking, I know. (laughs) They sent that to Monica? Why? Why would they have sent that to Monica? Who, like, people really didn't even know was on the cast. Probably at that point. Certainly not enough to be sending DMs. And in that way, like, I've sent I've sent this with the address is darkened, and this is all public record. Which, like, Meredith, didn't she say that last season? About something being public record? Maybe with Jen Shaw or something. Somebody else had some public records that Meredith r- drummed up. <laughs> so then, Monica tells Meredith, I've gotten a lot more messages since since then about Angie's shit. And Meredith's like, well, what did it say? What was it about? And Monica's like, oh, there were like documents about her finances. It was kind of weird. Did you get those messages too? And Meredith's like, I don't think so. Like, I don't know. I'm really far behind on my DMs, so I wouldn't know. I don't know anything about it. Like, totally, like, giving her nothing, right? So, of course, Monica's peeping game. And she says in a confessional, I don't know if Meredith is severely jet-lagged or exhausted and dehydrated, but I'm really confused why she's acting like she could not care less about those DMs when she's the one who called me to tell me about them in the first place. So Meredith just tells Monica. This isn't about me. You know. It's just karma. Karma always comes back to bite. <laughs> and there we have it. That is our week in Bravo. What a fun time we had. What a fun time. I am going to be talking about Southern Hospitality. I think I'm going to um leave that. Since it's a Thursday show. For Monday episode. So we'll. We'll just have, like, a brief recap of Southern hospitality. But with that, you guys, I hope you have a great rest of your weekend. Thank you guys so much for listening. Thank me for speaking. Love you. Bye.